All right, welcome to Self, the podcast on self-education through self-exploration, self-discovery, and self-expression. I feel like there was something else. I always mix this up. Anyways, this past week has been uh, interesting, to say the least. I mentioned in the last episode how I recognized that I was sexually frustrated, and since recognizing it, I've been able to do something about it. When, I guess, like, looking back now, when I'm sexually frustrated, I think that uh, it comes out unconscious ways to where I'm doing or saying things that I don't normally do or say, because I also hadn't been masturbating either, so uh, I started back doing that. I just wasn't, and I think that on one hand, it was good for me, because with plotting this move to Portland, uh, I've been really motivated and doing a lot of different things that I'm supposed to be doing in order to uh, meet the trajectory for uh, getting out there by the time my lease ends. And along the way, it's seeming like I'm finding little like touch points, like launch pads for myself, uh, according to my circumstances, that in staying fixated on the goal and dedicating the energy to making that goal reality, um, I'm just able to catapult off of the opportunities and circumstances around me in order to make that happen. So in order to have more control over my sexual frustration, I started doing a few things. I started to uh, masturbate more and more is probably a lot. I started to, uh, I got back on dating sites. Um, and uh, when I say back on dating sites, I mean, because um, I have herpes, I got back on one of those dating sites as well. And then um, before I only had Bumble and Tinder, right? So this will also be interesting. I uh, had a friend, um, one of my buddies came over and he brought uh, one of his girlfriends by. And we were talking about dating. I was like, yo, what you think of my profile? She looked at it. She was like... <laughs> What I'm not exploiting my uh my strong points, my smile, my muscles, and there was a third thing that she said. Uh, I don't remember what the third thing was, but my smile and my muscles basically. And she said, "Yeah, I mean, you look soft because my profile say direct and decisive, emotionally aware and available. That's it." She said, "Yeah, if I read this, like." Like there, there's nothing that tells me like masculinity or dominance, and my visceral reaction was like, "This is how fuck boys like emerge. <laughs> this is this is probably it. Like, I don't think that I'm a pushover. I don't consider myself to be a yes man. Um, I'm very lenient for sure. Uh, I, I I'm observant. Like I just let people do what it is that they're gonna do. I'm not one to be like, no, nah, you need to go do this, and her saying that, like, I, it triggered a couple of different thoughts in me of past experiences I had. Um, one girl I've been seeing, one woman I've been seeing, I'm 32 now, I need to start saying woman. Uh, she said to me, she was like, I need to be told what to do. And, uh, like, she didn't say talk down to, but in a way it was, like, kind of demeaning. And it just doesn't, it's not who I am. So, like... How do you display masculinity? How do you display dominance in a way that isn't 
toxic really there's no there's no other way to put that i mean once i feel safe with somebody if i know that uh where my dominance and assertiveness and um projected masculinity i guess is uh once I know that I'm safe to be able to do that with the person, then yeah, we can get into that. And also the only way that I've like safely and funly expressed it has been in sexual context. Because I mean, and perhaps this is like a symptom of me being so active on social media with following um, a lot of women and feminists and educators and seeing, you know, that women want equality. So I'm not gonna you know, I'm not going to perpetuate anything that goes against that, but I keep running into these situations, I guess, in real life, like maybe that idea is a fantasy on the internet, but in real life, um, I keep running into something like this of, uh, not being dominant or, you know, coming off as, uh, like, I, I think that I'm pretty direct and decisive and also having the emotional awareness to be like, um, to to empathize with people like I ask questions I want to hear about your feelings and things like that um and I guess this ain't something that for me as a straight dude that uh straight women are used to because it's only been with women who are who, who identify like completely as being straight that I have that type of uh interaction with but also like I think that because I'm a bigger dude muscular six foot probably about 245 250 pounds that when you see me what you read or what you experience doesn't match your expectations either so uh and then I'm also black and I'm wondering if there's like this pre-programmed or conditioning us in the heads of people in general to think, ooh, aggressive, uh, dominant, you know, these are the kinds of things that I can expect from an encounter with this person. And then like we have a decent ass conversation and I'm mentally stimulating and there perhaps is this cognitive dissonance between I want this physical thing from this person who looks like they can give me what I want even though I didn't communicate to him what I want, to, oh, shit, like, this is this is uh, not what I was looking for. I may like it, I may not like it, but it's different, right? And so with how dating has gone for me and with uh, how uh, like this kind of conversation has gone and talking about, you know, here's what my profile is, here's what I'm portraying without knowing it, I empathize with fuckboys. I empathize. I'm not saying that I'm about to become one. Like, I've been in therapy, and I'm very self-reflective, and I just recognize, like, I'm probably just not going to get laid as much as I could if I were a fuckboy. So I accept that. That's perfectly fine. But I also don't want fuckboy, like, sex. I don't want to do fuckboy tactics in order to get laid or in order to date or in order to have relationships. Like, I can masturbate and pass out. Like, I don't need to, you know, go through the process of um, being toxic or creating that, um, that polarity of, uh, that push pull. It's a push pull. That's the best way to put it. I'm not going to put, create a push pull between, uh, 
with myself and a partner in order to get what it is that I want. Like, I recognize I want to move to Portland. I'm only going to be here for hopefully less than a year, um, depending on if people email me back <laughs> and tell me if they got uh, what I'm trying to do in their budgets, right? So, um, yeah, I, in in hearing what I've heard and that taking me back to different thoughts that I had, I wonder what can be done differently in order to communicate that, right? So um, my friend and I, I guess I'll just call her a friend too, uh, she helped me with my profile. She went through some pictures. She was like, all right, here it is when, uh, like, your smile. And then here, here's one, your muscles. Uh, and then as far as the wording goes, um, she had me put like a little, little, little sex joke in there about uh, dominant when it matters, something like that. But it wasn't the use of the word dominant, but something when it matters and a devil emoji, right? So this was, what was it? So was today, Monday, Sunday, Saturday. It was Saturday night. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And today's Monday. Uh, I'm recording early Monday morning. I didn't do anything yesterday because I drank on Saturday night. But um, I had the opportunity to reflect on this. And I think that it's probably really hard for guys like me to date who are just nice or kind um, because the threshold for a guy like me, and this is coming from the experience I've had with having a lot of female friends uh, who date men, uh, straight men, or who pursue straight men or straight men pursue them, however we're going to word it. It's straight women who date straight dudes. Let's just say that. Uh, and like, he's too nice was often a thing I'd hear, or he's just so nice. And then like, this would be the guy who doesn't get dated. This is the guy who, uh, becomes a friend. This is a guy who gets invited out with the girls and he might even be like paying for drinks and shit like that. That ain't never been me, <laughs> but I also ain't in that tax bracket to be doing that. So, uh, but I have been told even you're too nice and this is by women. And you know, what does not too nice look like? Because the only people that I'm aware of who are perceived as not too nice display these toxic masculinity traits and someone, um, I forget who exactly it was, but they really put it in the perspective for me that you don't want to have to indulge in that like toxicity in order to get a partner because that person just might not be a healthy person or in a healthy enough place to recognize that you uh, or that I um, am someone who is emotionally aware and intelligent and available. So like you don't want to have to change that, cut off your emotions in order to match energy with someone who probably doesn't have any idea what it's like to be in a healthy relationship. The wording was different, but overall, I believe that's what they were saying when we were having this conversation. It was just basically don't change from being a good dude just so that you can um, expand your options for dating. And that, that stuck with me. And like when fuckboy urges come up, it's like, uh, 
you know, that, that's really not me. Like, I'm not going to send that text message. I'm not going to say that thing. I'm not going to intentionally pause in my reply. You know, um, I had, uh, I, I do have herpes and I had a disclosure recently that did not, I don't think that it went over well. And you can be the judge about what happened here. Um, I shared this story in a few places and people have been giving great feedback. Uh, I matched with someone on Bumble. And um, we initiate a conversation and she seemed to have wanted to have a consistent, great sex partner and be able to have like a a good friendship, a best friend. She said sex and then friend, which let me know, okay, your priority is sex and then the friendship. Got it. She said she just been here. uh, She just got here. She was only going to be here for about a year to get her life together. And I was like, huh, that's cool because I'm only going to be here for like 11 months uh, because I don't want to renew my lease. So um, we get to talking and pretty quickly. Oh, I also created a FetLife profile. So um, we exchanged that to get a feel for what each other was into. And we were very compatible. So uh, we talk about like the, um, we had the stars talk. Um, I will probably reference this at some point again, but stars is an acronym for safer sex. It's created by Dr. Eveline Dacker. And there's a TED talk about 15 minutes where she talks through what these are in detail, but the S is for uh, STI status, sexually transmitted infection status. The T is for turn-ons, what turns you on. The A is for avoids, what things might be triggering for you. R is for relationship intention. And then S is for safety. So what do you need to be safe? Uh, This is where you talk about condoms and things like that. So she and I are, we're messaging and um, she was familiar with it. She was excited. She's like, oh my God, I followed this lady and um, she influenced my career. And we are going through our conversation. So I tell her, pretty early. It's like, I get, I'm due for testing again in October. Uh, last time I was tested, these are the things I was tested for. And I tested positive eight years ago for genital HSV2 or genital herpes. And the conversation continued, but I noticed that she hadn't said anything about that. And not too long after uh, that exchange, she said that she had to get ready for a date that she had tonight, that night. I go, oh, okay, well, have a good date. Enjoy yourself. And so um, the rest of the day goes by. And the next morning, I hit her up. I just texted her, hey, good morning. Uh, I hope your day went well. And uh, I said something about her dog because she mentioned before that her dog was, like, sick. And I told her, I was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I hope that. How's your dog feeling? And she was like, oh, my God, you're so sweet to check. And she told me a little bit about the date. And then we expedited the meeting process. So the expedited meeting process meant we're going to meet the next day. So, um we get to the next day and we, we had already talked about meeting at 10 a.m. We were going to walk at the park. Uh, I hadn't given her the address or anything yet, but that was going to go out the day of because people flake. Right. Uh, we talk about eight. I think it was a little around eight. She texted me because it was raining and what we were supposed to do was be outdoors. So she was like, uh, yeah, let's go. You want to go get 
something to eat at this place. She names a place. And at that point, I had just put bacon in the skillet because I'm thinking, all right, well, maybe the sun will come out at 10 and we'll probably make another plan or something. So I was like, well, you're more than welcome to come over here. Um, like you were going to come over, park your car and then leave. Like I can make extra, we can eat and then we can go and do whatever we were going to do. And she was like, oh, let's just FaceTime instead. Now, mind you, it's like eight something, all right? Like early eights, not even 8.30 a.m. Uh, I finished making breakfast. I call her. It's like 8.30 something, 8.40. We FaceTime and um, she's she tells me she's got a jack-in-the-box uh, cup in her hand, implying that she went the jack-in-the-box. So um, she tells me that she was just diagnosed with PTSD and that her psychiatrist and her therapist told her not to date. And so I was thinking, I was like, uh I, I didn't even think yet. My visceral response was, that's weird. Why would they tell you not to date rather than give you tools to navigate healthy interactions with people as you go through your healing process? And as I finished the sentence, it hit me. I was like, oh, all these thoughts rushed me at once. I was like, Courtney, I don't know any therapists and psychologists who are going to be up at 7 a.m., for a call to deliver a diagnosis. I just, I just, I don't, I work with therapists. Um, I follow therapists on social media. Uh, I'm friends with some therapists and these people are not first off up before 8am to do anything work related. And, uh, in addition to that, it just was so random that you have therapy today and you're diagnosed like, something should have been coming. And then she let me know that it was like in relation to food. So I, because I do what I do nonprofit wise, mental health wise, like rather than just being like, oh, okay, well have a good day. And then ending the call because clearly like that's what this was. Um, it, it felt to me like, and my intuition, I've been following it lately and it's never led me wrong to this point. But my intuition was like, all right, Courtney, she didn't say anything about herpes, but here she is now, you know, after having set up this date, after having had another date, after talking about how long she was going to be here, just having gotten divorced in, uh, last year and all this stuff. She is probably just not OK with the fact that I have herpes. And so putting her at risk for that limits her ability to go on and find her future sexual partner, whatever, whatever. So I just uh, I. I I was nice. I just kept talking a little bit and I just asked her some questions and the answers to the questions like weren't these weren't like I didn't feel good about I didn't feel like it was consistent. Let me say that it wasn't in line with, you know, what the enthusiasm was in the beginning to the quote diagnosis to the timeline of what happened because she also mentioned that she went and uh like after her therapy appointment she went and got a diet coke from jack in the box all right so uh she goes and she gets, she goes back and she tells me that and i'm like all right so nothing takes less than 20 minutes here in st louis at least for you to go and do so that means that the therapy appointment would have probably wrapped up around 740, meaning that you probably would have been on the phone since seven with your therapist and psychologist. So I'm like putting all of this stuff together in my head and just trying to plan my out for getting off the phone. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I wish you luck with because she had something coming up. I wish her luck with that. And I don't know why I said this, but I said, all right, well, I'll probably just text or check in before then. I was like, what the fuck did you just say no you're not <laughs> and so uh we ended that call and i just had this like 
dumb look on my face. I was like, did I really just let that happen? And so I see where that might have been a situation where it was being too nice. Because on one hand, though, working in mental health, I don't want to shit on anybody's mental health. Because what if she wasn't lying, right? And I'm not going to sit up here and act as if, you know, I'm that damn oblivious to the reality that could be because she could have been just saying that because she didn't want to tell me no she didn't want to ghost me she didn't want to uh be like hey Courtney I have a I have a a problem with you having herpes so just like how I didn't want to um dismiss her mental health she didn't want to dismiss my physical health so perhaps I can't say that this is absolute but I'm saying perhaps that's what it was all right I've experienced rejection before. I have no problem with that. I've learned to bounce back. Like it, this was just one of those situations where I was excited. And again, whenever I get, whenever there's too much enthusiasm in the beginning for me, um, from the other person, I think that that is unsustainable. So it dies really, really quickly. And that's kind of, that's been, that has been my experience lately. There's so much excitement, so much enthusiasm, so much of this, I can't wait. And then reality sets in, whether it be the distance or um, the, the, what's necessary in order to uphold any type of relationship that um, myself and another person would want with one another. All of these things just like kind of dwindle off. And maybe it's like my, um, not nihilist, uh, how neutral I am when I'm met with that intensity and enthusiasm that perhaps I just don't seem as interested. But in this case, I know I was excited. I was like, hell yeah. But I've been in situations where I was super excited um, and nothing happened, you know, and it goes back to my childhood issue. But I recognize that that's what it is. And I'm able to look at the facts. I'm able to look at things objectively and say, okay, well, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. And this happened. So whatever the feelings are that are associated with it, I'm not going to disengage from or project that onto all of my future relationships. I'm going to continue to go into things the way that I have. And I realize, too, I ain't got no game. And that's my game. Like, that's how this is what my game is. Like, not having game. I'm just myself. And that attracts a certain type of person when it breaks a particular, uh, when it breaks the threshold of, uh, engaging in intimacy or some type of a relationship, uh, what ends up happening is it's not that I'm passive. I think that it's me demonstrating who I am and that's something that's compatible for others. Um, I use the example of, I was at this sexual health conference and, um, very early on, this woman told me she was like, I'm gay. I was like, oh, okay. And so I just invited her to dinner with uh, myself and a colleague because uh, we were at this conference and there were different places to eat. Uh, she was cool and she was about my age and uh, we had a great conversation. So, yeah, we went to dinner, we eat and uh, we leave and come to find out like later on she was attracted to me. She said, I feel safe with you as uh, a, a man. Uh, she's like, I've not had sex with a person with a penis in a while. If you're down for some intimacy, let's do it. And that type of situation, that's really direct, um, 100% direct and her having to initiate and everything. Uh, but this was someone I thought was cute and if uh, they would have expressed interest before, then I'd have definitely went for it. However, my thing was, all right, well, 
you don't like men, so I'll just be myself. And that's that's really what this is. This entire episode is really coming back down to is just being yourself. There are going to be people who kind of tease you in a way of uh, demonstrating what it is that you think you want. But it's always going to be worth it in the end for the experiences, the connections that you're going to have from just being who you are, not conforming to fuckboy status or standards in order to get laid because like, wow, where I'm at and for who I find attractive, that might seem to be the case, but I was able to have a pleasurable experience out of that and other pleasurable experiences as well from just being myself. And these are people who either have recognized, like, here's, here's what one thing that I've been programmed and I've had to unlearn and recondition myself about is this idea that women have to deal with enough fuckboy shit to just get tired. And once fuckboys break them down, that's where a nice guy swoops in, saves them, and then eventually they revert back to old patterns and they cheat for a fuckboy. This is the message that I've been taught and had to unlearn. Um... As I'm getting older, I'm recognizing that my maturity, my patience, my confidence, my settling into who I am is becoming, has become more attractive. So there's almost like this uh, trajectory of not not tolerance, like tolerance and intolerance. I think that um, women sort of, I don't know, I don't know if I want to, how I want to word this, but on one hand, you have the kind of person who, let's see, let's use heteronormative culture, all right? On one hand, you have people who are attracted to men who sort of uh, lose their tolerance as they get older, and then people who are attracted to women probably gain more tolerance as they get older. So on one hand, you have women who lose patience for fuckboy stuff, and then they eventually, quote, settle for a nice guy. And then on the other hand, you've got guys who have been nice over all this time, and they're like, you know what? Uh, my standards are increasing, and it's going to be really a lot harder over time as we cross trajectories for someone to meet me where I'm at, considering what not damage, damage isn't the word, what type of jadedness uh, a fuckboy might have created or fuckboys might have created. If you've watched the show Sex Life, this is a perfect example of it. You've got, uh, it's on Netflix. So if you watch it, it's eight episodes, like 40-ish minutes each episode. It's definitely worth the watch. But that highlights precisely what I'm talking about here. You get um, a girl who like got her heart stomped on by a fuckboy. Nice guy comes in, swoops in, and they have this wonderful life together. Everything that um, you would say uh, the American dream is for heterosexual people. And then all of a sudden, fuckboy head reappears and she can't stop thinking about fuckboy. And then she ends up kind of ruining the marriage and turning this nice guy who was her husband who wanted to take care of her into a potential fuckboy. This is so wild. This is wild because this is this is the process. On a massive, on a high-end scale, this happens. And I'm sure they're in their like upper 30s and 40s or whatever. 
in this uh in this scenario but for me being 32 i'll be 33 in november uh <clears throat> yeah i'm scorpio in case you were wondering um i i don't want that like i would rather i'd rather be myself like it's not about being a nice guy it's not about being a bad boy or fuck boy it's about being myself and i'm an emotionally aware emotionally intelligent person and that if that's something that keeps me from getting laid as much as I could or from if it limits my partners, I, I treat it just like my herpes diagnosis. When I tell you I have herpes, how you respond to that just lets me know you are or are not someone who's supposed to be in my life at that level. So if your response to it is, I don't want no parts of that. All right, cool. You know, thank you, because now this space that I was trying to create for you is now, you know, something that I can give to someone else who is interested or who doesn't care about that and it's the same thing with uh not being a fuck boy like i don't want to chase somebody who's like oh yeah you know you gotta you gotta wine and dine me and all that shit that's not who i am that's not how i am that's not how i operate i don't care about the superficial shit also i'm in a very unique tax bracket i call myself upper lower class because i get to pay all my bills i get to do a little bit of fun stuff but for the most part i say no to a lot of shit and like i don't have a car i'm not about to be ubering all over town and like taking people out paying for dinner and shit that's just not where i'm at right now and my priorities are i'm focused on goal like in goal get to portland like that's that's what i want to try to do right now this is my immediate goal my um, bigger picture priority something positive for positive people and my ability to uh do what i want to do in sex education and std prevention like these are my goals i would love to have camaraderie in that or to uh, be with someone who understands that and is supportive of it or um just yeah somebody to support along the way so uh right now though i guess in dating there's nothing wrong with dating for convenience right unless it's unhealthy or unless there's some toxic shit involved with it and that's i think that that's probably where i'm at in being honest with myself what do i really have the capacity for is a question that i've had to ask myself and in reflecting on that i don't have capacity for much really uh my spare time those windows of free time aren't actually windows of free time those are times where oh excuse me had a hiccup burp uh those are actually times when there's more that can be done or there's resting that can be done there's um a little bit of uh there there can be more setting up myself for um success as i plan to move like as i attempt to hit my end destination my end goal um so with that being said like how does one go about remaining true to their identity when it's constantly being thrown in your face that you need to do something else the way that i've answered this question for myself is that the biggest lie that we have ever been told is that the world doesn't revolve around you actually it does right your world revolves around you this is your reality that you live in and when you start to 
receive that and accept that and live by that, I think that it makes it a lot easier to say no to the things that aren't in line with who you are. Your behaviors and your beliefs, when they're in line, you get to be. This is this is where the magic is. When behaviors and beliefs match, you get to just be. And that's where presence is. That's where the more you're in line with who you are, that means saying no to things that you might actually want to say yes to. That means saying yes to the things that feel right and are inherently in line with who you are. Like there's no saying yes to things you don't want to do. There is saying no to things that you might want to do. But if they inhibit you from uh, your trajectory on the path of the bigger picture, then perhaps you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta say no, you gotta say no. So that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at and assessing convenience. I'm looking at, um, you know, the, the short term temporary. And I'm being honest about that. Because if I'm being honest with myself about it, I'm going to come across someone who's in a healthy place to be honest about where they're at in life. So there's going to be more rejections. There's going to be more no's. There's going to be more um, people just kind of fading away and falling off. There's going to be a lot more of that. But the more that I'm able to be myself, the more of uh, <clears throat> the more of a congruent reality that I create with myself, the more I get to just be in who I am. So the the this will not be an origins of a fuckboy story. That is not at all what this is going to become. This is me being exactly who I am. This is me being exactly who I say I am. And having that consistency between my behaviors and my beliefs so that I get to just be. And then being is where uh, that magnetism comes in to where I'm going to welcome in my person, my people, whatever it is that um, I'm making a choice to pursue in my being. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I recognize that I might not seem super dominant or masculine on paper, but like once I feel safe, you get I'm versatile as fuck. Like the, the versatility in me is 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 why. And um, this was something that I wanted to also touch on as a straight guy. I find that I have more. Uh, healthy or fun relationships with queer women and by queer I mean like maybe they're queer maybe they're bi uh, or pan or what's the one? just not all the way straight um, and they're more like excited and it's a sustainable excitement in their identities and maybe that's because they see people or because of their experience navigating queerness they're able to see within someone that the surface level assumptions about you might not need to be what the focus is and it's more about seeing who you are on the inside who you are in those invisible aspects of yourself of your identity so uh that yeah, I don't think I ever thought about that before. This was something that just came out of uh, processing here and talking through this on this podcast recording. But yeah, when I look at my relationships with queer women in the past, there's been a lot like that's I guess that's where my people are. Like I need to <laughs> that need to put that in my profile. If you ain't queer, don't swipe right here. Ah, <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. That's going to be my tagline. Hey, if you ain't queer, you can't swipe here. 
I'm so cheesy. But then that's discriminatory towards straight women. But I mean, I, the sex that I've had with straight women hasn't even been all that great. Yeah, I I think I just resolved my issue. Like, and not to fetishize or um, fetishize. Like, queer people is just like, um, in my yoga teacher training, we started talking about gender. I was about to say gender. We started talking about gender. And there were some videos about... Uh, the idea of gender and this is this is something that's really a powerful takeaway because of, this is what it was for me when we watched these videos explaining gender identity and how sex and gender are always often mixed up but uh, the video at the end it was of people who they weren't called trans in different cultures they're considered um, whole or what was the word ah a, a whole soul something like that where the masculinity and the femininity are one they're not different acts aren't masculine or feminine they're just acts and so a person who comes into this world is over time conditioned to decide okay based on these behaviors i resonate with i am more of this than I am of that. And that person's body may not match the projection that society has on that person's, uh, based on their physical features as well. But what I collected out of this was that all this differentiation, this disconnection that we have, uh, man, woman, masculine, feminine, these acts, those acts, emotional versus logic, these people that they interviewed were whole people. They just presented however they wanted to. So someone with a beard would uh, identify as more feminine. They like wearing dresses or they would uh, like they would. This is just where they spent their time. It wasn't about masculine, feminine. It's what do I like to do? It's what needs to be done. So um, they can go to war. They can also garden. They can also heal. They can also uh, cuddle and hold space for someone's emotions. And that really resonates with me. I don't really care to wear dresses and skirts or anything. Like I like to dress comfortable and it just so happens that that fits for me. So I'm cisgendered, but why can't I be whole? Like, why can't I just be whole? Because I present like this masculine dominant man based on the conditioning that was placed on the people who would see me or perceive my acts, my actions and, uh, think to themselves, ooh, this. And then whenever I open my mouth to speak or um, I share, you know, what it is that I do or how I like to spend my time, then it's like, oh, that wasn't what I expected. So I'm imagining that babies come into this world with that level of knowledge. I am a whole human. And then society just beats that, uh, beats that, 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 what they're born with in their in their being we beat that away with labels with uh identities and with all these different things so for me to see these people that they don't look like you know traditional man or traditional woman they present in a way that they present and then they speak and they're like well here's what my spirit is so when we can begin to just look at the invisible aspects of humans of people then we can have much more diverse um uh, 
ranges of experiences and a much better world in my opinion because these people were dope <laughs> these people were like I, yeah i just want to i live out here uh I, I do these things for hobbies um every now and then i'll go and get whatever i need from the market and they talked about like in their culture some things that they do that are rejected but it's like why like why do we we, uh, as a society, when you look at religion, which is put on this pedestal, we do the opposite of the thing that these people do. And what we're doing is a sin. Like, we'll call their way of being a sin, but it's a sin to cast that judgment on people who are whole humans. And they embrace their wholeness, whereas we separate and then we do this thing where we police women's bodies and we... Uh, try and tell them what they can and cannot do with them and here you are like with something someone that is out of your realm of understanding the integration of man woman or the masculine feminine this whole as human with identities that are just whole so that being said i think that that's what makes me drawn to like i'm drawn to that more than anything else. I'm drawn to uh, realness, real people who embrace all these aspects of themselves rather than repressing and shutting off others and then making the ones that are alive within them toxic. So for me, do I repress my dominance? No, because I recognize the spaces where my dominance needs to be asserted. And there's a there's a time and a place for that. So I'm mostly emotionally aware in my day-to-day -day life, but in situationally, um, I'm not going to let somebody be bullied. So I step into my assertiveness and dominance there. Uh, in dating, I'm not, I'm just not a dominant person. I want to let you be you. When we get past a certain threshold or point when we having sex, that shit comes out. I definitely identify myself as a primal. Um, if you don't know what that is, you can look that up. But yeah, that's, that's where I resonate. And I don't want to have to like, shut off my emotional side in order to make that primal side more known just to get what it is that I want. So I'm embracing all these aspects of my identity and this is not uh, the birth of a fuckboy based on how um, society is telling me like, hey, you need to turn some of that off. Like turn up the turn up the toxic a little bit. I'm not doing that. So I'll just continue to put myself in spaces where I get to just be myself and that's going to just call in people or call me to the people that I'm supposed to be around. And I hope that this is something that others can take away. Like, yeah, I'm I'm straight. And yeah, that might be limiting in my ability to, to, to date. But I mean, I like what I like, but I am who I am. So and it, <laughs> that's that's just what it is. Um, so. Yeah, that concludes this episode of Self. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you haven't, or if you did listen, um, if you haven't already, please leave a review. Just a little bit of a rating, whether you like it or not. I mean, I don't care. But um, I do enjoy doing this for myself. Um, and guests will be on here because I want this to be my podcast that is actually helpful to people. And um in a useful way beyond what I've done for people with HSV, but uh, for people who just might be navigating life in this time of like, we got COVID going on, we've got um, people acting like it's not going on, we got people who are um, like the, the Delta variants that are making people more sick, 
it's just a lot happening, right? And so I'm just getting through this with Drake album. Drake has validated my identity and my emotional awareness and intelligence beyond anything else and just gave me the approval that I needed in order to keep being me. So shout out to Drake for that album, Certified Lover Boy, because that's how I feel. <laughs> All right. Thank you.